just put my football analyst hat on. They don't have as much ability to switch things around like Arsenal do with Niedema, Blacksenius. They can try different formations. I don't think United might have that. They don't have the personnel to do that. Subscribe to the OTB Koyig pod on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, the URC is back this weekend. Zebra Leinster Saturday 5 o'clock. Cardiff Munster moved, as we know, to Saturday 3 o'clock. Ulster Connacht is Saturday evening at 7.35. Keen Tracy is with us to talk about all of these and uh, the relative situation that we find ourselves in at the moment. Rugby's back properly. This is the grind. Yeah, happy new season and all that. Good to be back. It kind of feels like only yesterday I was in New Zealand covering Ireland, but a lot of time kind of has passed since then. Uh, but yeah, good to have it back. Yeah, um, Following the Ireland players on Instagram, you realise that uh, many of them are still on holidays. Mm-hmm. And, um, there and getting many, married and there there's, many, there's a lot going on in the yeah, off-season. Yeah. There is. There's like pints emojis and there's yeah, tours yeah. and stuff going on. So, but the rugby starting this weekend. Mm-hmm. I was making a case yesterday that actually there are players playing this weekend who will end up in the Ireland squad in the World Cup. That there's still enough room for mm-hmm. you if you believe in yourself and your form. And that this squad, uh, maybe with the, the A um, team going to South Africa, you, you need to play really well for the next couple of weeks. But it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that if you're a winger or if you're a prop, for example, and you tear up trees for the next six to eight weeks, mm-hmm. you could absolutely catapult yourself into at least the fringes of the squad. And then we know what the Rugby World Cup is like. Yeah, absolutely. You know? uh, and I think that's probably would have been one of the most positive aspects of the Andy Farrell era that he has given players a chance. And I mean, you think of someone like Jameson Gibson Park or Kieran Treadwell, who weren't first choice in their provinces. And I don't think anyone would have had Kieran Treadwell down as the breakout star of Ireland's tour. Like he's been around for a few years, but he was really important in Ireland winning a series. So I think Andy Farrell has a real maybe keen eye for, for a player. He, he, he wants players who fit a, a certain athletic profile. We've seen that Treadwell certainly does that. So I think anyone who featured in those Maori games in particular in New Zealand is going to feel like they are in with a chance. I believe the emerging Ireland squad is going to be announced later today and that's going to be very interesting because that's coming up in only a couple of weeks. So. Do you have any instinct? Because there was a line in the press release about the tour that it was like it'll feature a lot of players from the successful underage teams mm. in recent seasons. Now, how far back does that go? Do we go all the way back to like 2015 and you were underage then and now we're going to give you... Do you know? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not sure why they've kind of kept it so ambiguous because... My, from what I understand it's going to be a lot of very young guys so you will see some guys who were involved in the Maori games but not every single one of them which I think initially certainly that was my impression that it was another chance for these for you know whatever you want to call them the A team to, to go away but that's not my impression what, what's going to happen so I think that there's going to be some tricky conversations between the provinces and and the IRFU because we'll say someone like Kieran Frawley um, someone like even Joe McCarthy with Leinster okay he's carrying an injury at the moment might not be the best example but Craig Casey at Munster these guys I would think are going to feature in the province's early plans particularly because the frontline internationals even though they're technically available and aren't going to play for the first couple of weeks you'd imagine so um, what is the preference here is it for them to stay and play games with their provinces or is it to go and play let's face it second rate teams in South Africa so do you think they're the type of players who won't go yeah I, I, I would be surprised yeah I, I'd be surprised okay. I think you're more maybe looking at someone like a guy like Jack Crowley if we, we want to talk about like in the out half position which we're so obsessed with doing so, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a Ben Healy or Jack Crowley but again those guys are going to be important to Munster in the early part of the season so 
it's hard to know maybe you'd even see someone like Charlie Tector or Sam Prendergast who are very very young guys coming through so like I think realistically they're probably looking further on than the World Cup but if they could get like one one or two gems and I agree with you I think there is still space to go I think someone like um and Alex Kendellum will be very interesting to see if he goes because he could really make a big impression and it would be very hard to it would be interesting to know how much the Ireland coaches will actually judge those games because I think a lot of it is getting them in the environment and seeing how you know they get used to their structures the day to day intensity of training but then again Andy Farrell isn't the one who's going to be overseeing that and my understanding is and as things stand Andy Farrell isn't even going to travel to South Africa so um, it's a bit muddled but there's a press conference later today Simon Easterby who's obviously going to be the head coach is up so I think there'll be a few interesting questions It's a very interesting scenario isn't it if, mm. he, if he doesn't go it's um, a real sign that actually we're planning very far into the future and you'd, you'd have to like hats off for that type of forward thinking mm. um, like the, the thing about it is like a lot of people have kind of got their back up about it particularly supporters on Twitter and like <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to the squad being named if it is later today and you know people are going to be angry that oh so and so isn't in it so you can't kind of have it both ways but um it, like Ireland have, haven't done this before within a World, World Cup cycle and yeah. they haven't done well at a World Cup before I like the concept behind it I can understand why it will create friction but I like the idea Yeah well like if if, if they were to take the, the team that played the Maori for example that was a really good team mm, like in, you know, A really good the, team yeah You'd, you'd certainly uh, like um, is somebody like Jordan Larmer going on that and thinking right this is great I'm getting more exposure to the Ireland setup and I'm going to prove myself as somebody who needs to be in the mm. squad or is somebody like Jordan Armour thinking, why am I not in that squad? I'm, you know, uh, this is it. And I think the one of the things about the New Zealand tour that kind of got glossed over, and maybe like understandably so because of how well the the senior team did against the All Blacks, um, the level of progression between the first two Maori games I thought was immense, and it was like it was a success of coaching as well as the players because clearly the players had taken everything that Andy Farrell and his coaches, you know, had given them, and they were given haven't been over on the ground you know they were given ample opportunity so when that Maori game particularly the first one was on it was the senior team who were training them helping them now it was a bit more muddled in you know the decisive third week but you had like a guy like Pete Wilkins over there who kind of took on more of a hands-on role with that and I know we'll get on to talk about Connacht and the coaching structure but um, So tell us who uh, explain who Pete is for everybody So Peter Wilkins is um, Connacht he's been with Connacht for a while he's kind of looking after their defence he kind of looked after more their attack last year so he's going to be more of a head coach this year Andy Friend has stepped up to be kind of a director of rugby which is a change in structure but they have the same personnel and I think last season was always going to be difficult for Connacht because they basically changed their entire coaching staff there was a lot of kind of new ideas they got Collie Tucker and Mossy Lawler who were both Limerick men who came in like really young talented coaches but they had never obviously been involved properly in senior setup so it was going to take a, a while to adjust and I think that's probably why Connacht season was a bit kind of stuttering Um but it'll be interesting to see like how much I think Andy Friend last season was a de facto uh, director of rugby anyway he kind of did take a step back and was kind of more looking at the overall picture of Connacht obviously there's a lot going on there with you know the new the new pitches being put in at the moment so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens I think over the next season with that Wilkins taking a primary look at defence as well I know like, mm. their Connacht defence last year was pretty mm. shocking I think they conceded twice as many tries as both Munster and Ulster so he's obviously taken the, the, the forefront on that as well yeah, like, and he's he's really highly rated. He was like he's he came over from England, and you know he's done a really good job. And the fact that Ireland took him, you know, was a real I think sign to help out Connacht as well to get him involved in seeing how Ireland how Ireland are trained, the intensity and all that. 
but it also gives I think Connacht players who, who know now that they have a direct line into the coaching staff because obviously you have Paul O'Connell there and that and okay like he's not involved with Munster but you know he's going to be heavily involved so um, it's interesting because there was a lot of talk um, last year that Andy Friend might finish up uh, at the end of the season just gone and now he's obviously gone into the director of rugby role so like I said it'll be interesting to see what happens I'm not sure what Andy's, Andy's like long term plans are but he's been such a brilliant success for Connacht um, when you think about how low they'd gotten under Kieran Keane and obviously the highs of Pat Lamb and He's come in, and I know he comes on your show regularly enough, and he's just a, a brilliant guy. Like really, ah, like every time you meet him or mm. talk to him, you come away very enthusiastic about working for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can see the impact he'd have, and he has an eye for talent as well. We speak about Andy Farrell doing it. Like you think about like Mac Hansen, and they've signed another guy now. Brian Ralston is coming over from Australia as well, and everyone's kind of going, "Okay, is he going to be the next Mac Hansen?" So, no um, yeah, I always go back to a couple of years ago. He came out with a brilliant line that. Um, we can't shop in Brown Thomas, we have to shop in Aldi or Lidl. And no offence to obviously those brands, but they were his words, not mine. And they've, by and large, they've done a really good job of it. Like they've signed four Leinster lads who've come in now. I think three of them in particular, I think, are going to, could make a real big difference. You think of Peter Dooley, Adam Byrne, Josh Murphy. And, you know, I would imagine a couple of those guys could have stayed at Leinster and plucked away, you know, been happy enough to pick up games here and there and Josh Murphy had been playing quite a lot of games but they're going out to Connacht now to relaunch their careers and I think with, with Ireland ambitions in mind so um, it kind of reminds me a bit like you know Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko going to Arsenal bringing that kind of city winning mentality I think that'll be huge for Connacht getting those guys into the setup. That That's one thing in the off season that, that has been impressive with Connacht the, the recruitment because when you saw the likes of Delan and, and Arnold and Murphy leaving you're thinking she's they're going to have to do something here but like Ralston is, is, is a good example maybe Andy Friend's Australian influence had something to do with that as well him coming in but he's Irish qualified yeah as well. probably sent his son out to any bars to, to check around to see <laughs> yeah. if anyone, anyone was up for coming over to, to, to Galway to live to live in a nice part of Ireland but yeah look I mean they have signed well and you know Josh Murphy's come in but they still do look a little light mm. I would say um, like they've lost the land but they've brought in Josh Murphy it's a bit of a, a like for like but the, the front row in particular you know Peter Dooley's apparently by all accounts has been going really well in, in pre-season but he hasn't like he's not a big kind of stocky prop either so um, they, they missed Dennis Buckley a lot last season who's still highly highly underrated Jack Carty is stepping up as captain this season which is interesting I think he'll do I think he'll do a brilliant job in there and he has ambitions to get back into the World Cup squad as well so uh, it's interesting times for Connacht for sure Yeah I wonder like do they bring Jack Carty to South Africa do you know I, there, I think there would be uproar if the Connacht captain was, <laughs> was taken away um, But it might be a good chance for him to be like look I'm, I'm still your guy you know Yeah like it would this is why like this is why I think we'll have a far better idea once we kind of have this press conference yeah. with Simon Eastby to get the logic behind it and like it's not even just the so all the provinces have been training with do you think Simon Eastby was going to tell us that because sometimes he can be a bit spiky with the media yeah I think he's mellowed though in the last he? I think he's mellowed yeah he has been a bit spiky over the years you're right yeah since, I think he's mellowed since the new head coach came in yeah maybe I think it, I think a lot of people have mellowed and honestly like being in New Zealand like I've been on a few tours um, under the, the previous regime it was incredibly relaxed and even and like, we were successful just to like so being relaxed it, does not prevent you from being successful and after the first week having lost both games it had the potential to turn sour there was only a few of us over there cur- uh, covering it I think it was like five five journalists um, so it could have been a very long few weeks but even after the first week you know um, no one got narky no one got sour 
and I think that was driven by Andy Farrell by all accounts I, I heard through the grapevine that you know in the dressing room after the match he gave this speech apparently and said that we have the All Blacks like you know we really really have them and that could have went one or two ways after the first game after the first game he had seen something they had obviously made some really poor errors and the, the bounce of the ball really did that bit of a cliche but it did go in their favour you think of the breakaway try Ireland were piling on the pressure but he apparently gave this rousing speech and that could have went one or two ways like players could have looked at each other and said what is this guy on but they had fully bought in and everything he had said came true in the next two games if you remember I, you might not have seen it because you're at the game but the TV interview that Peter Marnie gave afterwards it, it felt like it, felt, it he was like we he was really happy. Mm. We'd just been hammered. And he was yeah. like, uh, so obviously he knows a lot more about rugby than uh, than we do. Because yeah. I was like, that's, it seems, what, we just got killed. And it's a tricky balance when you're kind of on, when you're there covering. Because I remember in 2019 at, in Japan, like going into the quarterfinal against the All Blacks, I was, I was really bought into the positivity around the camp. So you can't get burned as well. It does go one or two ways. But there's no doubt that Farrell has created this more relaxed and you know it's not like kind of the lunatics are running the asylum or anything like that it's just guys are more comfortable I mean you go back to you mentioned Peter Romani you go back to him saying last November when he was on the bench that it was the most enjoyable month of his career you know and I specifically remember we did a thing with um, with Romani where I think Quinny was interviewing him and he was talking about how stressed he would get in the week of games and how you know like being in the Shelburne before the matches the stress levels would rise and he found that very difficult to deal with. Whereas now, like, maybe it's because his garden is so good or something. Like, <laughs> you know, he has just become one of those kind of people who is fully at ease with his role in the team, whatever that role may be. And and it led to him probably playing the best rugby of his career in over in New Zealand. He was absolutely immense. And, like, I think one of the biggest things that the provinces want to see, and probably particularly from Munster in terms of Peter O'Mahony and Ty Byrne, you would hope that they're going to bring some of that back to Munster now because all the signs that you hear from Munster is that you know they are going to be trying to play more like Ireland. It is going to be more aligned. There's going to be a big move away from what we'd seen under Johan van Graan and guys like Peter O'Mahony and Ty Byrne who are key parts of that Ireland setup need to be the ones because I always found it really frustrating that why aren't they coming back? Like you know, Maybe they were, but marching into Johan van Graan's office and saying what are we doing what, what, why aren't we playing th- yeah. this way this is the way the game is moving and Munster are now starting from a lower base because they're a couple of years back because they didn't keep up with the modern trends but I think guys like Peter Mahoney Conor Murray even Craig Casey guys who are in regularly in the Munster the Ireland setup can really drive the Munster the new era shall we call it to, to talk about the Ulster Connacht situation right um, it's interesting to hear that Andy Friend might have kind of put the structure in place and, and may not be uh, there for the, the long term I think that would be really unfortunate for Connacht because it looks like we're progressing quite you know on and off the field it feels like Connacht are fully aligned and having somebody there who kind of has his viewpoint seems very very aligned with how Andy Farrell behaves as well like you mm-hmm. know you can see them both being relaxed when things go bad very passionate about what they're doing very knowledgeable and able to bring people with them so it you know but at the same time, it's clear that the, the IRFU seem like there's a long-term structure there and they're, they're boosting that. Um, I don't country. think you're going to see like a situation where Andy Friend does a Rassi Erasmus kind of on it and, you know, revokes on that clause that's in all the contracts, you know, the get-out clause. So yeah. I don't think Andy Friend is going to do that. But it will, it will be interesting to see what his long-term plans are. He's given a lot to Connacht. He's a long way from home. Yeah, OK. So um, it, it looks very settled there and at least there seems like if there is, if this is coming to the end, there's a succession plan. With Ulster, it feels like um, the the array of talent they have is just on the cusp of breaking out but hasn't quite broken out yet 
Yeah, last season was a big, big missed opportunity. Um, you go back to the Heineken Cup first of all and think of how well they played over in Toulouse in that round of sixteen game. They, they were absolutely. It was one of the actually I would say one of the, the great Irish performances in Europe. Uh, really, really outstanding. All the things that have been good about Ulster over the last few years, like they have one one of the most exciting backlines you would say nearly in Europe, particularly like the, the centre partnership of Stuart McCloskey and James Hume has been immense for them. Um, and then they weren't able to back it up the following week at home and they lose to Anton Dupont weaves his magic really late on and they lose it was at 50-49 I think on aggregate off the top of my head which is like a real killer blow but then they kind of regroup and they get into the URC semi-finals and then on the Friday night the Bulls beat Leinster which meant that Ulster would have had a home final and you're thinking okay this now is our time like Leinster had been the one team that you know we've really struggled to get by and they slipped up then against the Stormers to a really narrow late defeat as well so that, my big concern would be that will there be a hangover from that coming into coming into this season um, this squad largely has I would say a familiar look to it they, they have brought in a few players but I think the starting team will be pretty similar to what it was but you've got a guy like Jacob Stockdale who's going to come back into the mix now and I think one of the most exciting things about Ulster this season is there's a couple of positions where you're not sure where guys are going to fit like is Jacob Stockdale coming back to play fullback is he coming back to play on the wing um because Robert Balakoon has, I would say, the right wing slot nailed on. Um, he was really unlucky to, to miss out on the yeah. New Zealand tour because they had, the Ireland coaches had really high hopes for him and I wouldn't have been surprised to have seen him get some minutes in, in the Test Series. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Stockdale comes back. He, he looks in, in good nick. He's been training well by all accounts. Um, and he's become the forgotten man of Irish rugby, which is absolutely nuts to think. Like he's still a really young guy. He was on the same uh, under twenties team who reached the under twenties uh, World Cup final of with James Ryan, Andrew Porter. So we kind of just forget about him a little bit. And then, well, also his try scoring record at international level was absolutely ridiculous, incredible. And like teams definitely did kind of figure him out a bit. And you know he needs to brush up on his defence, but so did James Lowe and you look at James Lowe now who's a much older player so well a few years older so you talk about like when you talk about hangover from last year what about the, the fact that and maybe we could read too much into this the, the, the team were in Glasgow last Friday ready for the match mm. the pre-season match obviously the, the game didn't go ahead after the Queen's passing but that was probably an opportunity for some players to put their hands up and, and get into the team for this this weekend and when you're starting off with, with an Interpro especially you kind of have to get off uh, straight off the bat with a good performance like yeah. last weekend is a bit of a it's a bit of a downer for Dan McFarland. Yeah, and they've been kind of not been shy in saying how kind of disruptive it was. The kind of pre-season the schedules have been interesting. As Leinster only opted for one game against Harlequins. Connacht's played two, but played them within a couple of days of each other with two separate teams. And Munster was, was more traditional. They played two games. So that's been kind of interesting as well. The one thing we probably should mention and we haven't done yet is the World Cup looms large over this season as well. So I think you're going to see guys' minutes managed more than ever now coming into this season. So how much are they actually going to play in the URC? Again, you're probably talking about the starting test team. It's really such a balancing act though, Mm. isn't it? Because you really want to put them under a bit of pressure to make sure that their performance doesn't Mm. dip and that they're not complacent the way the last team was. Completely complacent. Everybody knew what the starting 15 was going to be the whole way through. Yeah, and you have the South Africans coming into the URC as well makes it so different because the the Ireland players could like get far better challenges than they would have ordinarily, you know. So it the, the dynamic has shifted a bit. Yeah. Now the the obvious thing to say is that the Springboks are still playing in the Rugby Championship, so they're in a similar situation in that their their frontliners won't be playing for a few weeks as well. But even the second string like Bulls team like as well like they're 
pretty awesome. So It's kind of a scary prospect when you hear Dan McFarland during the week saying he expects the South African teams to kick on mm. this year in the URC from last year. It's like fairly daunting when you see what they did last year and you expect them now, obviously, as you said, the Rugby Championship has to finish for the full squads to come back in. But if they kick on for any, in any way from last year, they're bit of a, a force to be reckoned with and that's what makes it so exciting like the league I know it was like an all South African final and it probably wasn't the, the best spectacle but they offered loads throughout the, throughout the tournament and you know the, the physicality is the one thing that everyone will always talk about when it comes to the African teams and I think that's the big issue Ulster are going to have again this season is can this pack get the back line involved in the play because uh, we talked about Jacob Stockdale what position is he going to play Michael Lowry I think is a really interesting one well, they have just on the website here and they have him listed as a, a fly half that, which I think is very very interesting because like when when you have a utility player, normally they put down both positions. So, well, so there's loads of them who are like Angus Curtis, fly half centre. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There's a few of them there who have that um, so. or, or uh, centre wing designation, fullback wing, Ethan McElroy, but not not with Mike Lowry, fly half. And anyone who anyone who has watched Michael Lowry from a young age in school, where he won, I think, a couple of Ulster Senior Cups um, in, in his time, would tell you that out half is his best position. It's probably taken him a little bit of time. And um, you know, Billy Burns has been really trusted. He's captained Ulster a couple of times, and Dan McFarland likes him. But I'm not sure if you're going to win a URC or a Champions Cup with Billy Burns as your ten. And that might might sound harsh, but that's just that's just my honest opinion on it. And I think it'd be really interesting to see if Lowry gets gets a chance. But it doesn't matter who you have at out half unless your pack can can get you the platform. And I think the Ulster front five still looks to me a little lightweight when it comes to the business end of the season. Uh, I think they're still hugely reliant on Ian Henderson. You would like Kieran Treadwell wasn't first choice last season, like Alan O'Connor. Uh, is, and so was uh, Sam Carter was sometimes ahead of Treadwell as well but like I said at the start of this conversation like Treadwell was amazing in New Zealand and he's a guy now you'd really expect to kick on and Treadwell and Ian Henderson second row partnership looks far more dynamic than, Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, than it did last season but you know they brought in a one time prop Jeffrey Tumanga Allen as well but I thought Tom O'Toole was one of the young guys who really went well in New Zealand and he's starting now to come into his own and come you to expect come the World Cup that he'll be nearly backing up Tyg Furlong Will Allison back in the fold as well which is another addition yeah I think he's still a couple of weeks away and you know I think we're kind of gone past the stage of like you know saying oh Will Addison would be great at full back because like I, you, he's just must be one of the most unlucky guys in Irish <laughs> rugby and you you speak about Jacob Sockdale being the, the forgotten man but I just don't think Ulster can be kind of holding back waiting for Will Addison to come back and everything will be okay because he's had such bad injuries and you don't know if he'll ever be the same again and fingers crossed he will but if he did absolutely he is an outstanding player really versatile and they're the kind of guys who when it comes to picking a World Cup squad who can comfortably play in the centre who can comfortably play at full back they're the guys who always make up those kind of you know the extra couple of places in, when you're nailing down a short squad Nathan Doak is 20 he'll be 21 in December is it too soon for him? Not at all. I think he's was really putting the pressure on John Cooney and, you know, there was a lot of talk that John Cooney might leave last season and while Ulster fans definitely would have been disappointed about that, I think there was kind of a feeling that, okay, well, Nathan Doak is coming through here and he's only 20 and he's playing this well. He'll be, I think he'll be very interesting one about the emerging Ireland squad because I think that's the profile of player who, all things being equal, the IRFU would love to have for like four whatever it is they're going to be in camp for four weeks or whatever it is um, they would love to get their hands on him like I can see him making close, a push for the Ireland squad yeah course. absolutely yeah um, and he, he's a goal kicker as well like he's got a lot of strings to his bow and like, he's like you can see him like he's a bit like Craig Casey and like he's so vocal on the pitch and, and that's what you want so 
that's the type of profile I think they want to see, you know, in, in training and in the setup. How does he act in meetings and stuff? But like I said, he is definitely going to be a part of Ulster's plans. So, so just on that emerging Ireland, like, do you, do you think each province is going to be um, equally affected in terms of the players taken, or is, is Leinster going to have to I carry the load here? You'd or? imagine Leinster will. Leinster always just by pure playing numbers. Leinster yeah. are usually going to be the the bulk suppliers, but um, but the Ulster Academy. This is this one of the reasons why. And I was writing about this in today's paper. One of the reasons why I'm so optimistic now, and there is such a feel good mood around Ulster, which wasn't always the case in the last few years. Is their academy is now starting to produce homegrown yeah. talents. You look at someone like Ethan McElroy's coming through. You know, Tom O'Toole has come through. Ruben Crothers was captain the the Ireland under twenties to a Grand Slam recently um, so there's a steady stream of guys coming through and it felt like for a while there the, the academy had gone a bit stale um, and now you're starting to see them come through and it's the same kind of in Munster that you know when, when supporters see their own players coming through and getting chances like Nathan Doak is another brilliant example like it makes you feel kind of good about yourself and your chances going into the season so there are reasons to be optimistic for sure for Ulster but I would worry that the hangover last season I still think their front five is a little lightweight Okay uh, what success for Connacht this year? Back in the Champions Cup, I'd imagine they're hoping for like a, a good run at the Challenge Cup. Like, there's no reason why they shouldn't be going all out to try and win the Challenge Cup. Depending on, I suppose, if Andy Friend and Pete Wilkins look at you know trying to concentrate on the URC to, to finish in the top eight to get to get in there uh, to the playoffs even. Um, but I think a run at the Challenge Cup, the final, the European finals are on in Dublin this year. Um, so, uh, like last season was such a disappointment for Connacht that you feel like the only way is up you know they really underperformed by their own high standards there's going to be a great buzz in Galway you know they're they're the new pitch is being redeveloped so they're going, to, they're going to be playing away from home they've got a really really tough start to the season um, I think it's in October next month by the time they play their first game at the sports ground but they're going to want to you know, kick on for that feel good atmosphere because there's been a lot of talk about this redeveloped pitch for so long yeah. in Connaughton it's finally happening so. but that pitch, like, How important is that pitch because like, they lost five times at home last season they have this attacking style of rugby so you'd imagine that a pitch like a 4G pitch will play into their hands yeah, but they probably need the the dome, the Connacht dome, to you know protect them from the elements. <laughs> yeah, well, like true. you know, they're going to have the the fancy pitch that will allow them play you know the high tempo rugby they want. But what happens when Weather the Galway weather comes in? You're kind of <laughs> counterproductive. So maybe the next step is to to get one of those fancy domes over. I'm just looking at their opening fixtures, Connacht. Like they face all three Irish provinces in the opening mm. five games. Six out of pros actually in the first eleven, and you have away days against the Stormers and Bulls as well in there. So like, in terms of fixtures. The start for Connacht is is pretty brutal on paper. It doesn't get much worse really for them, and like like we just touched on there, the games are all away from home as well. Yeah. Um, so the, the start of the season could really set the tone. I mean, if they pick up a couple of results there, you know they could kick on. But if they were to lose a few on the bounce, then it's going to be I think really tough for them. Um, okay, the other things that we need to talk about are the situation at, at Munster. Um, the notion that they're going to be more aligned with Ireland is very welcome they have the players to do it it didn't make any sense to the, the la, I, it, uh, not to pour on and pile on again but the last few years I think are going to come to be looked at as a great lost opportunity for Munster where we didn't see any signs of progress we didn't really <coughs> see the team if, if there was ambition in the backroom team which we're told there was for the style to evolve they clearly weren't good at getting the players to do that or put the players in the position <coughs> to do that. So um, is, it, is it a brand new regime with all of the changes in the backroom team? Like, is there, is there anything that we can look at that Graham Rentry is going to bring from the past and go, OK, we have this to build on? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
I'm sure there is. Like, I mean, he was still he's still going to be doing the scrum, you know. So you're going to still have the same scrum coach. Um, I think the biggest thing you'll probably find is that he will give more control to his fellow coaches. I'm I'm still not sure how much control like someone like Stephen Larkin actually had over the backline. Um, was it Johan van Gran who was laying out the, even though he wasn't necessarily the attack coach, my sense is that he probably was calling most of the shots. But at the same time, Stephen Larkin, even before he came over, was shown to be quite a conservative coach. So, like, pound for pound, he was one of the most disappointing, I would say, coaches to have come in. When you think about his reputation as a player, one of the all-time greats, and the players did speak positively of in terms of his one-on-one work that he did with them and stuff, which made me think more that he wasn't having maybe an overall say in terms of how they wanted to move forward. But I'm not not sure how that went. But I don't think any Munster fans were losing sleep over Stephen Larkin going home either. They certainly weren't about Johan van Graan. Um So it'll be interesting. I think Mike Prendergast coming in, Munster had to work bloody hard to get him back. He was still contracted to Racing, uh, so they probably had to pay a bit of compensation to get him out, which Irish rugby probably doesn't do really that often. So that shows you how highly he was rated. The fact that Racing want, had given him, he got a, a long term. I think when he signed his latest contract, he got like a five year deal, and like that is unheard of in rugby. So that's how happy like Racing were. And you think about some of the best attacking backs you know you have in, in European rugby certainly so I think Mike Brendergast will be given much more of a say and certainly from what I'm hearing in training is that um, it's a much different much different atmosphere much different mood now of course people are going to say that when a new coach comes in anyway but I truly believe that that is the case because there's a much bigger focus has been put on tempo um, I've heard chaos has been mentioned to me a couple of times so all these buzzwords which the likes of Leinster have been doing since basically Stuart Lancaster came in Munster are now playing catch up and finally seeing that this is the way to move forward and you know like at times the players it, are brilliant yeah absolutely it, like they have the players to do it and there were times during the Van Gran era like ironically a lot of time when the younger guys were playing you think back to that Scarlet's game last season when they were brilliant so um, there's no doubt that they have the, the attacking talent. I think they probably have similar problems, I would think, to Ulster in that their front row is still an issue. And it's probably a bit puzzling that they haven't kind of put more stock into that. Now, obviously, they have two young tight heads coming through, but I feel like we've been talking about these two guys for the last couple of years. And it does take time for for tight heads and props to develop but Kenyon Knox and Roman Salanoa uh, this is a really big season for them Munster have let John Ryan go um, didn't offer him a new contract and I think a lot of Munster supporters will have been disappointed about that like Kenyon Knox you mentioned like he, everyone talks about him as one for the future but yeah, he's 23 now like, it, yeah. and, but, like I mean um, Stephen Archer is the only really experienced mm. tight head left so it's probably time for him to step up and you'd imagine he'll be used a lot more this, this season I think for sure he will. well you have to because like I said they've left yeah. go John Ryan and you know John Ryan was a really good servant for Munster really reliable and the previous season they left James Cronin go so yeah. it's been interesting uh, I think Roman Salanoa like if he can stay fit I actually saw him in the Limerick Milk Market a couple of weeks ago buying his bread or whatever and yeah he is uh, he is a big big man <laughs> um, but the problem is trying to keep him fit so um 
we just don't know how good these players are but Graham Rowntree has worked with them for the last few years and if he can get even one of them to really break through I think Kenyon Knox is probably the one they're looking at purely because he's been able to be able to keep fit uh, basically but you know there's still a bit of reliance on you know Dave Kilcoyne is going to come back but Josh Richardly had a brilliant breakout season and I think he can really kick on as well he looks I think he was unlucky not to go to New Zealand in the summer and they brought in Chris Moore as a hooker you know young guy a bit of an unknown quantity um, but hooker has been a bit of an issue as well and like all these issues kind of will crop up more when you're playing the South African teams yeah. um, so it's a big season for Munster but I think you know all the coaches who have done interviews Roundtree Prendergast and Leamy over the last couple of weeks they've all used the word patience and I think that is going to be the key and Munster fans definitely don't want another period of transition but realistically this is what it is because if you want to move away from the game plan which evidently didn't work under Johan van Graan then it's going to require patience Malachi Fakato is the obvious marquee signing in from Wasps but mm. like different kind of player to mm. Dale Ender the, obvious, the comparisons are going to be made obviously between, between the two of them but stylistically slightly different yeah, player for, for sure yeah and it'll be interesting to see if, he, if they see him as a 12 or a 13 would they look at maybe playing Chris Farrell who's obviously been playing 13 in a 12 I'm not sure how they're going to do it because a lot of Fekato is going to best rugby would have been played at 13 but you'd imagine the first choice pairing but it's probably going to be Fekatoa and Chris Farrell but then again the things you hear about Antoine Frisch who's come in from Bristol he's like raw but really really exciting and he could be a bit of a wild card uh, signing a lot of supporters maybe won't have seen a lot of him but he Bristol were really gutted to lose him Pat Lamb uh, they didn't want to leave him go at all so maybe he's coming over and Munster have kind of had big plans for him to, to become first, uh, first choice centre and I think probably no harm because they didn't really get the best out of Chris Farrell I think you know he is he's much more than Munster were showing him to be and I think on the back of that his Ireland chances have been hurted uh, have been hurt um, because yeah he's he's got good hands he's skillful uh, but Munster were using him much more as kind of like a one-off kind of crash ball but which was kind of you know the South African mould he was Johan van Grand style mm, but that's not going to be the case now under Mike Prendergast so there's there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic you've Dennis Leamy coming back and He's definitely going to add in a hitch, I think. Yeah, like I, I do think that asking the Munster players to offload, we're going to reveal the fact that they're really good at it. Like like Ireland have become really good. Now, think back to uh, that period of transition when Andy Farrell came in and um, some people were saying, oh, Farrell's not going to make it as Ireland coach. This is terrible. What, what's he doing? There's no style. There's no plan. And uh, over a period of time, my cat and him... Mm-hmm. got the players together and said this is what we're trying to do keep going it's going to come to eventually it'll come to fruition so it could be two or three months yeah. week in week out with this monster team before we actually see them being able to do what they're trying to do and there's going to be a lot of drop balls there's going to yeah, be a yeah. lot of knock-ons in the meantime but I don't think monster supporters will, will mind necessarily over that if they can see a long-term plan and they're sticking with it that it doesn't just happen one week which was happening the previous week that they were thrown around the ball but the next week they were keeping it tight and there are a lot of similarities I think between Andy Farrell taking over from Joe Schmidt and Graham Rowntree taking over now because Rowntree has had a front row seat for what worked in Munster and what didn't work. And that he seems like that a good character. Good character, like he's unbelievably popular with the players, um, the supporters as well. He's a bit of old school. Yeah. Um, and I think seeing what didn't work, I think over the last couple of years, is a massive advantage because when Andy Farrell took over and the results didn't go well, people were going, "Oh, this is just a continuation of you know the end of the Joe Schmidt era." Like, what's going on here yeah. and stuff? And then all of a sudden, it started to click. So I think he'll probably be having a lot of conversations with Andy Farrell, Graham Rowntree. They obviously go back a long time just to see 
you know, how he best went around that. And that's probably one of the big advantages of the Irish rugby system, that you can have that kind of conversations and it's fed down from the top. Whatever about the young props that we've been talking about uh, for years at Munster, we've every year said it's a big year for Joey Carberry. It's a big year for Joey Carberry. Yeah, but I think, again, in Mike Prendergast, I think he's got a really good attack coach who will look to play to Joey Carberry's strengths, which, again, I'm not sure how much that happened in the previous era. Obviously, injuries you know, went against him. Um, he, did, he did okay, I thought, in, in New Zealand. You know, He saw out a couple of the games. I think his defence is something that is going to have to be a big uh, focus point for him this season. I think it became evident last season that opposition teams were targeting him, I think, even more than ever. But... And it's no like it's not down to lack of bravery or anything because he really does put his body on the line. But maybe it's a technique issue. And someone like Dennis Leamy, who was Leinster's contact skills coach, could be the one to you know tighten up a couple of nuts and bolts with that. So every and, every at half has this conversation about them. Like if you think back to O'Gara and even mm-hmm. Sexton, it was like, oh, Sexton's tackle style is the reason he's getting so many injuries. Yeah, and, you know, and he's got a couple of players putting pressure on him now in Ben Healy and Jack Crowley, which is no harm as well. So it's the out half position. I think is is healthy and. Monster. It's certainly not like the front row stocks. Do they need to reach, uh, like, what's the point of reaching another semi final and get beaten? But if they if they were to play really well over the course of the season, do they need silverware this year for that to be years. a successful year? 11 years into trophy, like. Yeah. It's, it's getting yeah. harder and harder. It is. I, I, is silverware realistic at the end of the season? Maybe if it all clicks within two or three months, but I would, because I, I'm expecting such a big kind of sea change, I think it could take even longer than two or three months. And it, it's not like the players are not going to be able to do it, but there's a lot of new ideas. We spoke about Connacht, you know, last season, a lot of new coaches coming in and getting their ideas across. That does take time. Like people have to change their habits and stuff. So um, I think. I'm not sure if if Munster don't win silverware, would the season be a failure this year? I don't think it would be. I think if their style of play, of play has enhanced and like supporters can see that there's a long-term vision here and this is how... It's, got, it's identity. Munster kind of lost their identity over the last couple of years. You weren't sure what they were about, how they were trying to play because it kind of jumped from one week to the other. But if Munster supporters can see you know a bit more of like they don't want to lose everything you know the, the edge that the pack had up front which Roundtree was obviously a part of that with Johan van Graan and like, like van Graan did do some good stuff as well I'm not trying to totally like bag the guy at all like and he was hugely popular with the players too but there's definitely going to be a shift away from that and if you can if he can have the hard edge of the pack the Munster backline have shown you know you see the the quality that they have in it and like someone like Fekatoa coming in now adds a different kind of dynamic to what Damien Delende as, as much as D- Damien Delende was a really good player for Munster like unbelievably he was probably one of their best players I would say over the last couple of years like really consistent but you have a bit more maybe of a spark if Fekatoa can, can stay fit so um, I think it's exciting times for Munster for sure Is Snyman going to play? Do we know what his uh, return mm. date is? It's No it's um you can understand why they're not putting a time frame on it, but I think the longer it goes on, the more concerned you'd be. Like we've no idea when he's going to going to be back. I was kind of you know looking through photos and training. He didn't seem to be there. Maybe he was off doing something else. But like they're going they're going to be ultra ultra cautious. It's very transformative to have him in your team. And like, how quickly will he get back up to speed? A- absolutely, and he he is like the definition of a game changer. And it's been really unlucky. Munster have been really unlucky, but he's been really unlucky as well because he doesn't want to be sitting sitting at home in the, in the rehab room or whatever. But I think the big thing is, you know, the November internationals are coming up. There's a World Cup year. 
like the last thing Munster want is him just to get fit when Ireland are about to play South Africa sure. at the start of November and all of a sudden he's back in the box squad and then you don't know what's going to happen over what's going to be a really busy month for them as well so Munster you know in line with South Africa to be fair have worked really hard to get this guy back and the last thing they want to be doing is working really hard to get him back just to make sure that he's okay for South Africa to go and win the World Cup again next year. You know, they need to get something out of him as well. So, fingers crossed we do. And the very little bits we've seen from, from Munster, you can see what he's capable of. All right. We always get accused of um, doing too much Leinster here. We haven't done any Leinster. So, <laughs> uh, success this season for them is a trophy, right, after last year. The devastation of not winning sure, a trophy yeah. has, like resulted in them looking at themselves and bringing Declan Darcy in and just trying to change things around a little bit. Um, where does their belief that they're going to be better this season than last season, where does that have to come from? It comes from within. Like, I, don't think, I don't think they'll be ripping everything up and starting again. Like, they absolutely won't. But what, what the most interesting thing about Leinster's disappointing season last year was the fact that they got beaten by La Rochelle again. So... When they got beaten the previous year in the semi-final, we heard so much that, you know, okay, we've got to look at ourselves. How can we beat a team like La Rochelle? Then, sure enough, they get La Rochelle in a final and are unable to beat them. But Leinster went into that final definitely feeling like they had changed from the previous season, that they were far better equipped to deal with a team like La Rochelle. And then the one team that they were trying to prepare for ended up beating them again. So I think that that will have rocked, particularly someone like Stuart Lancaster, who would have been really the one with Leo Cullen obviously working on the game plan okay how are we going to fine tune this so it's been interesting like you touched on Declan Darcy coming in um, Andrew Goodman coming in for the Crusaders I think they're going to try and tap into him a lot to try and get Crusaders into Leinster and Crusaders have struck up a brilliant relationship during lockdown the first lockdown they were doing lots of kind of virtual matches against each other okay if we were to go here what would you do blah 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 kind of attack versus defence right so who's Goodman what does he do He's going to be the backs coach, so he's replacing Felipe Contepomi. So he's coming in from the Crusaders, really highly rated, and he'll bring fresh ideas as well. And I think, like, sure, Lancaster runs the attack and the defence in Leinster. He's just he just does everything. But I I, I have a sense that they might lean on Goodman mm-hmm. a little bit more because they value so much of what the Crusaders do, and they see a lot of their kind of culture, their style of play in in what they do. So yeah, like it's going to be it's going to be really interesting because again. With the World Cup coming at the end of the season, Leinster are obviously going to be the bulk suppliers to the Ireland squad. They're going to be hampered more than most in terms of guys' game time, how often do they get to play. But like as ever, every season, there's a lot of good, lot of good young players coming through in the, in the Leinster Academy. Um, or from the Leinster Academy, we touched on the Munster props. There's a young loosehead coming through who's been injured, uh, Michael Milne. Um, He's definitely one to keep an eye on. He's a loose. I think he's about 23 now. Didn't get to play much last season, but, you know, Keen Healy is, what, 35 now, pushing on. Um, I would expect him to play a lot of games this season. Um, and, yeah, like, they're they're not going to... The, the big question is, is Kieran Frawley going to play 10? Is he going to play 12? Where's he going to play? Check check what he's registered on the Leinster website. Yeah. Maybe there's been a, a subtle change. But, um, yeah, like, there's, they've brought in Charlie Natoy from Leon, who, who got, got a couple of caps for the All Blacks. Um, realistically he's not going to be first choice you'd imagine because you're going to have Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw fly half yeah that's what it says <laughs> there you go the website never lies the promises <laughs> are playing mind games with us already so it's going to be it's going to be really really interesting because like if, if you remember uh, Harry Byrne got injured in the first week in, in, in New Zealand sorry and the plan 100% was I know this was for him to start in the first Maori game 
Kieran Frawley was going to be playing 12 and then there was lots of jigging around because he got injured late in the day in training so Ireland hadn't even planned to play Kieran Frawley there they definitely I would imagine they probably would have looked at him maybe in the second half in, in one of the games but I thought he went really well he had like he had a tough enough day as they all did in the first one but he kind of typified the improvement I think that that Maori team made going into the second game kicked brilliantly um, so it's going to be very interesting to see you know Leinster really trusts Ross Byrne Harry Byrne is another guy who just hasn't been able to keep fit Um and yeah, like will will he? As we said at the start of conversation, will um, Frawley go on the emerging Ireland tour? I think he's too important nearly for Leinster. But at the same time, if he goes and play like starts two of the games at ten for Ireland, Simon Eastby comes back and says, you know, this guy has really pushed on since the summer because any of those guys who were in the summer would have been given feedback by Andy Farrell and the coaches. Like the next time you're in camp, this is what you want to see, and because you're not going to have your Johnny Sexton's or Tyg Furlongs, you know, the leadership group in in the, the first choice team, you're going to be looking to the likes of those guys who were on the Maori team to, to, lead. to, to lead it which yeah. is huge as well so um, it'll be interesting because like I said Lens are going to be both suppliers probably to the emerging squad and certainly they will be to the the World Cup squad at the end of the year Alright the World Cup officially the hype train starts today because <laughs> the, the season starts and it, it ends with the World Cup really I mean obviously it's this, Yeah the some, some people will say it's next season thing but I always feel like it's the end of this season really. Well it is because the team that you're selecting for the World Cup is based on this year's mm-hmm. uh, form and achievements ideally as opposed to stuff they've done historically so uh, it's ground zero for our World Cup countdown um, I hope you're all ready for this. It's good to be Bu- back. Buckle up. <laughs> Keen, good stuff. Thanks a million for that. Uh, OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Zebo's going to be unreal under Mike Prendergast. They worked together at Racing and he was amazing, says Peter M. Very much looking forward to seeing what happens with that. Um, that's pretty much your lot for today. We'll be back tomorrow. As I said earlier, uh, Will is uh, in the hot seat tonight. Uh, good luck. OTBAM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.